0: Hello and welcome to the Holistic Healing Project with me, Dr. Lauren MacDonald. Each week I will be sitting down with a range of experts, thought leaders and other inspiring humans to explore how we can all bring more healing into our lives. I believe we all have the capacity to self-heal, to experience more joy, greater meaning and deeper connection. I really hope these conversations inspire and support you on your own journey back to wholeness. Hi everyone, I hope you're having a really good week. I've got a lovely conversation to share with you today and I really hope you enjoy it. Today, I sit down with Candice Blair, a Kundalini yoga teacher who is passionate about using yoga, sound, cacao, and ceremony to support healing. In this episode, we discuss the catalyst for Candice training as a Kundalini yoga teacher, her previous career as a stockbroker, How the practice of kundalini differs to other types of yoga. The role of breath work, the movement kriya sets and chanting in kundalini yoga. And why kundalini teachers wear white. And this is my favorite part. It's the impact that sound healing, specifically Candace's gong playing, had on her fellow traders after work at the Stock Exchange. We also look at how to start a daily meditation practice. The importance of reconnecting to nature. And also the idea of feminine and masculine energies, and how important it is for men to heal too. I really hope you enjoy this episode, and please rate and review if you enjoy it. Hi, Candice, how are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing so well. It's so nice to see you, Lauren. Thank you.
0: It has been what, four years probably since I last saw you.
1: I know, right? When we when we took leave of our long stay in Sri Lanka from the wellness clinic when we first came together for that beautiful, what was it, our golden summer retreat?
0: Yeah, I was definitely it was my first ever retreat experience that I was helping to facilitate and my first kind of foray into the world of teaching yoga as well. I was very much a newly qualified yoga teacher and I'm I'm you, you're the same, right? You at the beginning of your journey in terms of yoga and coming to this world of spirituality and healing.
1: Absolutely. So, I think that I had been teaching at that point for about a year, but that was my first step when I'd officially kind of completed my job in finance. I left uh, my job the end of June of 2017, and I remember I taking that flight directly to Sri Lanka, and that was like Okay, now I'm going to teach yoga and play the gongs and and host a retreat. So I'd been teaching, but that was really like, oh my gosh, this is my new career, you know. And there we were in our cement blocks, you know, <laughs> hand washing our laundry. It was quite a change from uh, Mayfair <laughs> trading it was floors. So
0: great, and it was just you were such a breath of light and fresh air. And the moment I met you, I just had the deepest connection. You helped me to grow during that period as well because our mutual friend Sam, who owns Zen Wellness Sanctuary in Sri Lanka, had very kindly given us both the opportunity to come and step forward, I guess, as teachers and just kind of experience what it's like to hold space for guests. And yeah, you, you just held the most beautiful space um, for us all during the retreat anyway. And it was my first introduction to Kundalini Yoga as well. So is that what you kind of say is your main profession these days?
1: You know, I see Kundalini as being the foundation of everything that I do. I feel like there's really, it's become kind of four key components. The Kundalini was really the catalyst, the transition. I mean, I believe so completely in it as a science and a technology. I mean, it completely transformed my life. And I will say that from that first session of like really opening up and feeling connected to other people, you know, to um, kind of my higher calling, and and it was really the thing that kind of started the transition of opening up the doors to a different type of lifestyle. Um, you know, just you know how I was living my life, just even physically. You know, my, my how I ate, uh, how I you know how I viewed my my own personal wellness, um, and then I think also because of the style of yoga that it is, being you know such that communion of breath, asana, spirituality, chanting, like it it really triggered um, an opening up in me of that kind of mind-body-soul alignment, but also triggered then, oh, wow, I get to, you mean, I can, what is a gong? I can play a gong, you know, it triggered this kind of creative flow. And then, you know, my teacher, you know, introducing me to the shaman, Rebecca, who we worked with, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, there's plant medicines. And you're, you know, so this amazing new world opened up and, you know, those are kind of the foundation of what I do now with my business. But I would say Kundalini is certainly the foundation because I see that as, as a catalyst for opening up so many doors.
0: And how did you find Kundalini? What was it that led you? Because, I mean, I love this story so much, but, you know, <laughs> I remember you telling me that you went from this finance executive working on the stock exchange floor to this transition through gong, you know, learning to play the gong and then actually bringing the gong into work. Is that correct? I remember you saying it. Yeah, my,
1: my the guys on the trading floor bought me my first gong, which is like the coolest thing ever. Um, you know, I spent, I did, I spent 20 years, um, 12 of them uh, on the trading floor in Zurich. And um, you know, I was a uh, an executive director, I was, um, you know, the deputy head of the trading floor for um, in London for seven years and for an investment bank specializing in the Swiss equity market. And I loved it. Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, did you burn out? I'm like, oh, God, I like I was fabulous. But it was definitively a work hard, play hard, work out hard. Like there was not time for a breath. And that was. You know, that was the lifestyle that I was living. And, I, you know, I enjoyed it. It was not necessarily wonderful on my body, but, you know, I didn't really know that yet. I was young and, um, younger. And, um, and it was interesting though. I was, must have been, it was, I was about 37, 38. And, um, I really started to have chronic back problems. I'd been having back issues for a while. I knew I was pretty stressed out, but, um, you know, I kind of pushed through it and it got to the point where I really couldn't ignore it anymore. And, um, you know, I think also like on the non-physical side, I was realizing, I was like kept searching for a spiritual connection, but the first thing that really hit me was my body not working. You know, I think that that's, um, you know, I'd always relied heavily on being able to push through everything and, and my body was speaking to me and, um, I went to a lot of different traditional Western doctors and tried to get to so many, you know, whether it was massage, acupuncture, different, you know, different things, um, you know, working on my back and came to a point where I just remember I was crying in the office one day. I really couldn't stand it anymore. And a friend said, Oh, you really need to go see Sam. He's an energy healer. Try something alternative. And at that point, I mean, I was literally at the point where I'm like, I will try anything and i remember walking into his office and um you know sam as you know is is a very well renowned energy healer acupuncturist he's, he's just has a has phenomenal talent i'm not even sure we know how to describe all that he does you know with his office in london and um, I walked in and he, you know, did his tappy thing. I didn't even know what he was like doing. He was kind of just, you know, doing his magic. And, uh, you know, I finished the session and he looks at me and he says, you know, there's nothing wrong with your back. He's like, you haven't taken a breath like deeper than like probably two inches into the upper part of your lungs. Your energy is all over the place. You haven't grounded yourself. And, um, and also probably the reason your back is hurting is because your liver also hasn't taken a breath and it's pulling down the right side of your body. So he's like, all right, you know, stop smoking, you know, maybe stop taking clients out for a couple of months and, uh, and, and let's drink a little more water and get yourself on the mat. And he was at that time one of the few people who was hosting Kundalini classes um, in London. At that point it was, you know, there were few and far between. And um, I showed up three days later and I tried yoga and I was like, nah, too slow, you know, you don't sweat. And, uh, and I sat down and I was in tears, I think within probably 20 minutes. And uh, I walked out of that class, literally transformed. I felt connected. I felt to people, to something greater than myself. I felt grounded and I didn't really know what had happened to me, but I knew I felt good. And so I just kept coming back. And within six months had seen like such a phenomenal change in my own, in my, well, my back was feeling better, but in like energetically, it's like he made me stop and get off the, you know, off the wheel, off the train and try something different. And he started also working with me with like energetic flow, like, oh, don't just come to me when your back hurts, let's work together, you know, that holistic approach, holistic healing, right? Let's try and um, get your body and, you know, spirit a little bit more aligned and, um, you know, within six months, I wanted to do my teacher training and he was recommending it. He's like, I mean, I was just, my mind was blown. Like, how can this work? Why do I feel so great? Um, and it wasn't just the physical greatness, but I was inspired mentally. I was feeling inspired spiritually. Like, so, um, that kind of first introduction was pretty, pretty powerful.
0: Wow. And for anyone who doesn't know what kundalini is, because it's a particular type of yoga, it can maybe put some people off the the white turban. The first time I met you, I think you were wearing (laughs) your white turban. Would you mind just explaining a little bit about how it differs to maybe the Western yoga that we see in gyms or, you know, in traditional yoga classes nowadays?
1: Absolutely, and you can imagine how how funny it is. You know, I left. I always say I left my father wearing like Jimmy Choo's and a pinstripe suit, and I came back to South Carolina, carrying a gong and a white robe with a turban. He like has no idea what to do with me, but uh, you know, it, I, I I understand. I think when people kind of first come into Kundalini, it can feel a little cult like because everybody's in their white clothes and there's like all these special chants. Like in our traditional, ninety percent of the bricks and mortar yoga studios are based on a, a traditional vinyasa and obviously the need to make it a physical practice you know we've got hot yoga you know awesome i mean you're bringing a mindful practice and taking the physicality of it i mean that's beautiful i think the the difference with kundalini is as a part of the entire practice is that union of breath work so we utilize pranayama to start with I mean, it can be a really intense physical practice. Um, It's just that rather than you, uh, say, a teacher selecting postures or a flow, Kundalini has 9,000 different sets, but each set is specific. Like, it's directed by... Uh, yogi bhajan and the gurus who kind of created it and with it they call it a science and technology so it's set postures that are meant to have like a very specific effect so you don't alter that we use then in shavasana the gong um, because it's wonderful for quieting the mind for integration and then the belief is that all of that work that you do is to get to the point of meditation so then you kind of rise up with your mantra and your chanting and that's really where the magic kind of delicious euphoric feeling Comes from. It's wonderful to have the physical practice, but I think Kundalini's great because it also allows you to bookend any kind of practice that you had with a little bit more of the centering from the breath work and the elevation from the from the meditation and the mantra in terms of why why are we always wearing white in our Kundalini classes um, there's actually a real purpose um, the white basically it absorbs energy but then like if the energy can come towards white but then it projects it off black absorbs it all whereas white um, deflects it off so since you're working in a Kundalini yoga class on igniting the kundalini energy the inherent shakti energy in the second and third vertebrae in everyone's body we're working on igniting that so we can um you know shift negative energy or work through emotional or physical blocks in the body but that's a lot of energy I mean that's pretty serious stuff so you're working on that we wear the white to protect ourselves so it's like it's your energy you're not taking on anyone else's energy we wear a wrap around the head for really four distinct reasons um, one is that your hair is like an antenna for energy so you're protecting your head from from also that that energetic um, you know kind of confusion and then And you also have points around your forehead. So when you kind of wrap a turban around your head there are what are they, What are those called like the the points um, mer- meridian points is that meridian what it is? points yeah. right so you're like you're holding it's kind of like you're crowning yourself but you're kind of tightening it up here and then what it does also is you'll find if when you're meditating you feel like really a little bit more contained and it keeps the energy and like wearing a hat in, in winter time and finally it's just Yogi Bhajan who brought Kundalini over in the late 60s he was a Sikh. And it's a way of really honoring that tradition. I feel like I'm crowning myself as a teacher when I put it on the sheepskins just to keep the gravitational pull of the earth like from you know, it's just like an electromagnetic uh, protector. So we have lots of kind of it's kind of cool, fun stuff to work with.
0: <laughs> it's beautiful. And I just have this image of you because obviously, When we were at Zen, we would go down to the beach at 5.30 every morning for our practice. And yeah, you just looked so serene and beautiful with the backdrop of the ocean behind you. Mm. Um, And I I actually wore black the first time I came to the class because I had no idea. I just, Kundalini was so new to me. Um, But you really encouraged kind of, the people in the class also wear white if possible don't you
1: well it's it's interesting i i don't really say much but it's funny here when i taught came i'm the only kundalini teacher in about a hundred mile radius and so when i got here people were like kunda what you know and i was like kundalini you know and they came in and i didn't you know it's it's a lot of new things to introduce people to so I think it's everyone's real personal preference but it's interesting my class is now everyone comes in wearing white and some people wear a turban and so it's kind of as you move along in the practice and become more aware of what you're working with, like with your own energy, you become more in tune with other people's energy. It seems to flow naturally that people try and work with that. And then they find that, oh, this has a difference when we're chanting and doing meditation, wearing the turban, but it's always a personal preference. But I think it's it's inter- an interesting thing to, to utilize if you are taking the class.
0: I really also love how Within Kundalini, there are all these ancient practices of the breathwork and the chanting and even the dancing. I remember just standing up facing the ocean and you're making us dance for about 15 minutes one morning. Mm -hmm. And it's all those kind of things that you don't expect normally when you go to a yoga class, but they're so powerful when taken as a whole. And the chanting for me was the most powerful aspect because, you know, I'm here speaking to you now on a podcast using my voice. But I think for a long time I have struggled to find my voice or, you know, if we're going to speak about it in more spiritual terms, I've had a blocked throat chakra and it is that opening up of that area and losing your inhibitions as well it encourages you to kind of release let go and so yeah for me the chanting is the aspect of the the practice i found most powerful
1: Well, I think I think you're right. A a lot of kundalini just like as a whole, just to start with, is about letting go of the ego. You really can't do kundalini if you're worried about what other people are thinking, which is also great because you practice it with your eyes closed. So even if you're dancing wildly, like no one really is watching, but it's incredibly freeing. I mean, it's the yoga of awareness. You're tuning in inside to your own body. And the goal of the practice is to get to a neutral mind and to stop and and be basically reacting and living from your heart space. Now, the chanting, you're absolutely right. That's kind of like, you know, it's it's the icing on the cake. This is like one of the most delicious parts of Kundalini, but it is also one of the scariest. And I remember, particularly in my teacher training, you know, I, I do not have a voice like Adele. I mean, I do not like singing in the showers, all you're going to get from me, Lauren. And so when we had to do chanting, and I was so fearful. I mean, I remember we did a two and a half hour chant. I probably spent two hours, hours worried that I was disrupting the entire class. At the end, we discussed it, and like nobody was worried about me and my chanting. And I had to really get over it. I had to find my voice. And what I've learned is that everyone sounds magical chanting. Um, you know, we chant an ancient mantra because everyone has 84 nadis on the roof of their mouth, so little pulse points and when you chant an ancient mantra whether it's sanskrit as you do in vinyasa or Gurmukhi, which is in kundalini it's about how your tongue hits the roof of the mouth and when you chant these mantras it causes a chemical release i mean as a doctor it's quite fascinating the 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 patterns that you make with your tongue Cause chemical releases across the brain, improving cognitive brain activity, but also like creating that euphoria, allowing like the feel good drugs to be released. And why they use Kundalini a lot at rehab clinics because that it has a phenomenal effect on whether it's giving you your brain the chemicals like mental clarity and focus, or whether it's giving you you know more release of anandamide and you have that blissful moment. It just it has a really big impact, and as you said I think it's very freeing to find your voice
0: and just and just while we're kind of touching on the science there is just so much evidence now for yoga as we know anyway and I definitely came to my yoga practice obviously when I was ill with cancer, to reduce inflammation and try and improve my immune function. But, you know, the science is just blowing up. Every day I see something about yoga now. So it's just wonderful that finally, you know, this ancient practice is getting the recognition. Now we know why it's so important to integrate a practice into your life. Did you find it hard to start a meditation practice? Because I'm guessing when you were working in a finance position, you know, fast-paced, quite a masculine energy, was there any meditation there or was that definitely something that came along with your Kundalini training?
1: I I mean... That was one of the hardest things, for sure. I mean, you're so right. I I do agree wholeheartedly. This now starting to see, you know, some big data coming out on Eastern practices and being able to watch as Western medicine starts to accept and and incorporate more of these Eastern philosophies, really seeing the benefit. I have a friend who teaches a meditation class here and she takes a heart rate monitor in to show people just how much their like their blood, you know, their blood pressure, their heart rate, you know, how how much calmer they are when they leave, it's pretty cool. For me with the meditation, I mean I was just not even in my in my field of reference to sit down and do that. And I can honestly say it didn't come easily. Part of my teacher training was I had to commit to 40 days of a 31-minute meditation, which, when you're working 60, 70 hours a week, uh, was really entertaining. Uh, More than that was very challenging to come by, but I started booking the boardroom. Thank God I had a really cool team and a great boss. But I remember I was booking the boardroom and I would go in and chant. Um, you know, some days were really, really hard. It was hard to get off the phone, hard to get my focus. I didn't want to be there. But I would say 99% of the time, you know, I came out, Lauren, and I was clearer. I was calmer. And the uh, impact because of doing it in that environment was so dramatic that I really got better at what I did. And I think that was like, the interesting thing was for a good year or two before I resigned, all of this stuff made me better at what what I did. I mean, I could have easily just incorporated all of these techniques and had a super, you know, continued a super successful path in banking and and been calmer and, and healthier. It was just, I just, you know, I just love I love everything about it love teaching. I had to like pursue it, but you know, these tools they can be integrated anywhere. You know, it's you don't have to be, um, you know, it can be doing any job, anything. And to bring these practices in, it is possible. I think that's what you know you want people to know. You can take, I used to take five minutes in the loo and go do my calmness of heart meditation, and it would make me better. You know, <laughs> like I'd come out, I'd be calmer, you know. Um, so it's just first i think committing to a regular practice so you can notice the difference and then knowing that you can integrate these practices anywhere whether you're driving your car talking on the phone with your you know with your mom you know but you can do these and they have an impact
0: and just coming back to what we touched on before about the way you kind of started integrating these eastern practices into this you know very opposing corporate life you were living but i remember you saying that after the guys had bought you your first gong and you'd play it for them at the end of play and everyone would lie down on the floor and you'd be there in this, is it the stock exchange trader floor, whatever you call it, (laughs) playing this gong and the feedback you were getting from them afterwards, you know, in terms of they were going home to their families feeling calmer Um, not rushing to the pub to kind of unwind. The knock-on effect of just taking 20 minutes to play the gong, you know, bringing this, it's all about this integration, isn't it, of using these ancient practices to really calm the nervous system and the way it has a knock-on effect, whether it is you know, in your case, the meditation, you were then able to perform better at your job and have more focus. And for the guys, leaving the the office that night to go home to their families in such a calm state, because I cannot imagine the adrenaline, everything that must be going at the end of a day um working in that industry but yeah to really have that grounding practice I love the image of you doing that for everybody
1: yeah, I have to say the gong is pretty amazing because the meditation really you have to get yourself in that in that state of mind. Whereas the gong is like fabulous. I mean, the thirty seconds you're dropping from beta to theta brainwaves. I mean, it's faster than pretty much any pharmaceutical on the planet. There's a reason why it's been used, you know, for meditation and integration. So much of the science now they're showing like there's there aren't many faster ways to take you from your thinking brain into that dream state. And it's it's interesting. I, I do meditation classes. This year, and you know you can watch people come in so stressed and within you know minutes you have them really in a state and, and and ready to meditate so on the trading floor being able to have the market close pause the tv have them take off their shoes and we'd literally be lying they'd be lying on the trading floor in their suits it was just you know I have pictures of it it's like my favorite thing ever and to have them one be able to just quiet the mind to have a moment of just receiving. I think all of us in the Western world, we struggle so much with receiving. We all, you know, mothers, workers, everything. We give, 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 give. We do things for everyone, but we struggle to receive. Sound healing is also such an easy way to lay back and just receive goodness because your circulation, inflammation, the impact on the mindset, um, super calming. Watching them and in such a short period of time, giving them an opportunity to stop, clear their minds, not be thinking about what they have to do next and then them telling me like wow i got you know I, I went on the tube or i you know i was taking the train home and and i was in a completely different mindset my reactions to my to my wife to my kids completely different i slept better and so it just shows you exactly the power of even just a short period of time dropping into that mindset is is very powerful
0: people who are listening who maybe haven't tried sound healing haven't ever been to a gong bath is there any way you know short of going to a- Class near you? Are there any apps or anything like that you can recommend just for people to kind of get a taster of it?
1: Absolutely! Well, I'm so glad you asked. I just found the first app that I would recommend for sound, and it's this guy. He's actually Australian, and he lives in London. Um, And the app is called Third Ear. Um, and it's really cool. Like you can pick different sound healings based on what you're looking for, like, you know, focus or relaxation. And he has like Oracle cards. You can like, you can pick on the, I mean, it's really cool. And if you have a good pair of heads, a, a good headset, um, you can, you can get the sensation. Obviously it's, it's, I'm trying to record now and it's so hard to get the, vibrations through and like there's nothing that's going to uh you know to make up for like a proper gong bath you know (laughs) i'm doing one with four gongs on friday and i'm so excited (laughs) you know and like just that that wave of of vibration washing over you but i think if you have a good headset check out that app um because it's it really is beautiful to to, you know to have that vibration and hear those sounds and they really can take you take you to quite quite to a deeper state of consciousness Mm
0: -hmm. Lovely. Okay, thank you. I'm definitely going to check that out. And your other area that I know you work in, and this has been since we met, because you weren't working with cacao at the time, but that's been a kind of journey in itself, hasn't it? Kind of coming to not only cacao, but also plant medicine in general.
1: Yes, I I mean, I have to say, when we met, um, you know, I had, I experienced my first cacao ceremony the same year that I had my first Kundalini class. And it was The impact was so significant. Just for those who don't know about cacao, ceremonial cacao, you're taking it as a plant medicine. It's the highest grade of ceremonial chocolate, which basically means that it's, uh, you know, you're using beans that were used by the Mayans and the Aztecs, typically the criollo bean which has never been genetically modified. It's produced in a way that the plant, when you're ingesting it, is still carrying the vibration of the plant. So it's not been heavily manufactured. It's never been brought to a boil. Um, Because you can buy super high-quality cacao. It's a superfood. I mean, it's probably one of the best things you can put in your body. But for ceremonial cacao, there's a special preparation method and a special bean and it was used traditionally by the Mayans and the Aztecs for heart opening. And, and I think that comes primarily from the physiological effects. It increases blood flow to the brain about 15 to 20%. It releases uh, anandamide, your bliss molecule it releases dopamine and serotonin. It's like a natural mood enhancer. So it's got this perfect combination for guided meditation and like vibration with sound. Now. Massive impact on me, but I, in a million years, Lauren, I would not have said like, oh, I'm going to do cacao ceremonies. Like, I think when we met, I was probably just like even in Sri Lanka getting back to my connection to nature. I think living in cities, just in the environment, you know, I had really lost touch with my connection to Mother Nature. I'd lost really a lot of touch with my feminine side, like all of those things that I now relate to that real feminine energy, power, you know, birthing, you know, like, um, I just, I was not, I was not in that, in that element you know, we went to Sri Lanka with the shaman Rebecca, you know, who was hosting the cacao ceremonies. And I ended up really feeling called to do that training with her. And I remember the first thing she did on the retreat was like, you need to go sit out in the woods and commune with the plants and take your pens and paper, and you're going to name them and you're going to breathe with them and don't come back, you know, until you have spent some time. She sent me there three times, you know, <laughs> it was, uh it was really a part of my training to get back to nature. And, and I think to understand plants as having a vibration, getting more in touch with like it just it, it brought back everything like really starting to feel for the environment, feeling for what we're doing to um, to the planet like so many things came out of that and then the cacao was just a natural evolution from what I was working with the Kundalini and the sound, because it was, it's about heart opening. It's about, you know, bringing the vibration inside. So we've got, you know, the physical, the breath with the Kundalini, the chanting, like you're creating energy, you're creating vibration, the sound you're working, then you bring the cacao and you're inviting a plant vibration, like a, you know, a spirit into your body. So it's like this perfect trifecta for me, you know, I love it. it's such a beautiful plant medicine, you know, and it's, it's also, it's easy for Western world. It's legal. You know, it's not a psychotropic. It's like gentle. While we're in this right now, I think we're in a real phase of transition where we're starting to appreciate plants. We're shifting away maybe from just hardcore pharmaceuticals. People are coming back to seeing the power of mother nature, the power of plants. We're seeing, obviously, I was just on a fascinating retreat with a lot of folks out from California doing so much work with that growth back in like psilocybins and microdosing. And I think this is wonderful. Like we're going back to seeing how nature can heal us. And I feel like cacao is that like great first step. You know, like my mom and I can have a cacao ceremony. My grandma can can have a cacao ceremony. I can take it to the local yoga studio and be like, hey, this is a plant medicine and like, let's try this, you know? And if that awakens people to more opportunities and and more interest in what's happening in this evolution of plant medicine, I think that's wonderful, Lauren. Mm.
0: And it's also that coming together, it's just a ceremony itself, isn't it? It's whatever the substance or a plant medicine or whatever it is you're using um, to kind of facilitate that, like you just said, you know, in my head, I'm imagining now your grandma coming to this cacao ceremony, but you know, sitting in circle for a while, opening up, discussing before kind of lying down and just being part of a group. There's so much healing to be done in ceremony and in circle, which I just love. And that's something that I've only come to in recent years. I think probably the first time I'd sat in circle was actually at um, the retreat with you, and it was this sitting down and really being vulnerable and open in front of a bunch of strangers. Essentially, um, I'd never done that before; it was completely new. And then since then, it's just been something that I have realized is so important. I absolutely love ceremony and love
1: circles. I think you're, you hit the nail on the head there because people miss that. I mean, I think you know, they used to have so many more ways in community. Communities were so much tighter, and whether it was going to going to services on Sunday or Family dinners. I think lives incorporated a lot more ceremony, you know, just whether it was sitting down and having that hour and a half with your family over the family meal. And I think people are really, as as much as we talk about people being disconnected and, you know, disruptive technology, you know, you're, that, that everyone's on their phones and not paying attention. People in their hearts, I think, absolutely are crying out to be connected. People won't, people need, we need each other, you know? Like, I think it's um, its a falsehood to believe that we're not all connected. And I think that people want to come together and share. And a cacao ceremony, it's such a gentle, easy opportunity for people to share an intention, to share an experience. And I think any way, I think you're right, any way that people can come together And feel connected um, and heal. So, however, that is being done, I think that that's, you know, the world needs a little more of that.
0: Mm, And that's again why retreats are so popular and so powerful. You know, the work you can do in a week, you can't really create that maybe a year, you know, going to work, doing your day to day. You know, you need that time and space away from your daily life to really connect back in and be with other people who are maybe going through similar experiences and just be vulnerable and human and raw. Um so is there anything you're missing about your old life? Because out of everybody I know, I think you have done the biggest 180.
1: I get asked that a lot. Um and and, and no. Like um like I my all the guys from my team called me over Christmas and they were so cute and, you know, they're like, are you ever coming back? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> For me it was so like the world is so open right now, Lauren, like I feel like I'm just at the beginning of this process of learning so many more things. Every door opens another door and and I love teaching and I just think, you know, my place on this planet, you know, I, I loved what I did and, you know, I was but I was really a consumer and I knew that even with the money and, and I had a ball, but I do think we're on this planet. And I think I knew that. that's what I was missing spiritually. I think my body reacted. I think, inherently, there's there's things that we're supposed to be doing to help one another. And, you know, I got really lucky that I found something that I feel this passionate about. Um, and I know that that doesn't always happen. Like, that's what made the decision so much easier. Obviously, it's a scary decision to change your lifestyle. But when it's so obvious that this is the path that you're supposed to be taking, and I don't think I could be bored one minute, but I could never take that step back now. Um, And I'm just so excited to see where it goes.
0: It's been honestly just such a joy to watch your evolution, because I think when I met you, obviously at the start of this journey, and I appreciate you're very much still on it, but just to see where you are now, and you're so in it, you really embody it, you're living the Kundalini lifestyle, it's not just that you're a teacher, which is just wonderful, and you're such an inspiration, and something I find so incredible about you is this fun that you bring to everything that you do, because... I think the world of spirituality and healing, it can be quite heavy and a bit too serious and people can be a bit intense and you just bring this lightness. And that's really, in my eyes, what we need more of anyway nowadays. You know, we need lightness and we need play and fun. And of course, we, you know, there's deeper work to be done as well. But that's what I love about what you bring to it. It's so important to
1: just have fun. I mean, that is what it's also all about, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, I, thank you so much. That means so much to me. I think that that took a while because at first you're like, I have to, you know, I, I follow the rules, you know. Like I have to say, like when it comes to Kundalini, you know, it's like, hey, this is how you teach. Like I follow those rules. But I agree with you. I think that... um like anything right it's like you're a stockbroker you can or a doctor you can use the really big words and then you cut out 80 percent of the people have no idea what you're talking about but you sound really smart because you're using words that people don't know the thing is why we want to share this and open this up with everyone you know you want everyone to have the experience i want to make it accessible and easy and yes i want to make it fun though like When we're doing ceremonies when we're doing meditations like yeah, we're working through some pretty hard stuff But you're doing hard stuff already like you're facing hard stuff in your life like And it's not always going to be easy pushing through these meditations or making these shifts and making these changes But you know, you can do it with a smile, right? Like you really can and you can help people to get on that path. Um, and I think that that's, to be honest, um, you saying that why I love that is I think I really see that is how I can bring my experience um, and make a difference because I struggled in the beginning. as though, is anybody going to listen to this lady who was a stockbroker? Like, how can she be spiritual? She's, you know, you know, I, I, and I really, really worried about that. I thought people would be like, not take me seriously. Um, and then I realized, wow, I just changed my life to do this. This is absolutely in my heart and soul. And it doesn't matter if you've been doing this for 20 years or four days. If it's in your heart and you believe it and you're doing it for the right reasons, Then that's the way it should be. And I think that a lot of my clients like the fact that I've had a normal life and faced normal challenges and I haven't been sitting on a rock, you know, for the past 20 years. You know, I can relate to them. And I think that that's really important that we keep one foot on the ground. And then, like in Kundalini, Yogi Bhajan always said, it's like a householder's dharma. This is for everyone. It's not, you're not meant to go sit and meditate alone. Like, let's come together and try and elevate one another.
0: I think just the way you're talking about it, and the way you, yeah, you embody it, you have done what you set out to do. As you said, you wanted to shift out of this masculine energy into this more feminine, which, from where I'm standing, is how we're going to heal this world. We all have masculine and feminine energy within us, both men and women. I imagine you were the only woman where you were, at your workplace. Was there many other women? Not, not many. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it was almost like you were you know, living and breathing this masculine energy and then to be where you are now in this feminine, this softness and this real place of service. I can feel from you how much you want to help people and help them to heal and awaken and just enjoy life and have fun, which is just wonderful.
1: I think I think uh, you know you're right. I, if you'd asked me four years ago, I would have said my worst nightmare would be to work in like an HR office with a bunch of women or have a women's circle. Like I say that honestly, like that's not very not PC. But I would be like, no, you know, I was I was very much driven and living a masculine lifestyle. And uh, and as I started to really open up that feminine side, it's been absolutely magical i can't think of anything i'd rather do now than like you know i love my women's circles um and and embracing that and seeing how there's really a call even yogi Bhajan said this transition the age of aquarius this is about uh, women really coming together supporting one another men having to tune into their feminine energy and all of us kind of you know tapping into the energy of mama gaia pachamama and really like protecting her as well and you know and i see that i feel that now you know i don't have children but i feel like okay you don't have to be a mother to be a mother like it's my job to teach and bring these teachings that's how i'm going to be you know embody kind of my motherly internal wisdom i think it's fabulous like i have so many different groups of women but i i did actually i will say this last night i had a men's meditation group it was my first one because I think men need to meditate too. you know. And so I've had like all my women's circles, but I was like, well, you know, let's not forget the guys. We need to get them out of their desks in here. And so, and I actually, it sold out, which was pretty cool. So um, I got to share like the gong and the meditation with them. And that was a new thing for them. So it's finding the right balance. Let's just say one more thing that I'm experiencing locally of women coming together and elevating one another. That's the biggest transition, the biggest thing that I can say I've seen since I've made this transition in the past two years is rather than competition of being like, this is mine, this is yours, Women literally coming together being like, how can I help you? How can we work together? How can we collaborate? How can we elevate one another? What tools can I share with you? You know, us being like, okay, what are you doing? How can I help? Like, let's, you know, let's get together. Who do we know? And I think that that is the big key to what's going to happen over the course of the next decade is women feeling strong feeling empowered and then wanting to share that empowerment with one another
0: yeah that's lovely i really really and i feel that as well just this sense of collaboration for a bigger cause so Candice, i always ask my guests at the end um what does holistic healing mean to you
1: well, okay, it's really funny. You're gonna know me as a friend that so I actually looked up the meaning. I I, I like to go, you know, look up the exact meaning of things. But, you know, so I'm like, okay, this is about holistic healing. Let's make sure I have a very good, you know, working knowledge of exactly what that means. And so I thought this was quite funny. So I'm I'm looking at it and it's comprehension of parts of something as intimately interconnected, and explicable only in reference to the whole. And I thought. How can I relate to that? And it's, it's literally so perfect because the holistic healing, like, it's like my story. Like, I had no idea about the alignment and that sensation of being aligned mind, body, soul, even just the alignment of body. So my body went off on me and was telling a story and it took a while for me to hear it spiritually I knew uh, there was some questions what's happening because I wasn't in alignment and then as I found you know as the back called out to me and I start to find healing start to get my physical body in alignment then I start to realize okay mind body spirit all coming into alignment and started working on healing really myself as a whole and that's really what I do now. So holistic healing for me is keeping my body in alignment, my mind, body, soul in alignment, and helping other people to become aware of themselves, whether it's physically, spiritually, emotionally, so that as they increase that awareness, they can become aware of that whole as well. So I think its parts are going to be more important Than others, and and certainly in the beginning. But if we can start to get people to bring those things into alignment, I think people will would you know really be able to drop more into that heart space and start living a little bit uh, a little bit more um, from a place of love. Mm,
0: That's so beautiful. Thank you, and thank you for taking the time to go and look that up as well. But yeah, that's (laughs) it. Really, the healing. You know, for so many people, they think it has to be to do with illness or disease and it's this healing process. But it is this kind of coming into alignment and a sense of wholeness and living from your heart with a sense of love. So, yeah, you've just absolutely nailed it. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So just for people who want to connect with you, I know you're no longer in London, you're back in the States. But if anyone wants to connect with you online, I know you've got a few online offerings coming up and then retreats and things. Are you able to just tell people where they can find you?
1: Absolutely. Just have a look. My website is uh, www.soulfiresocial.com. Everything's on there. Upcoming retreats. I collaborate with a lot of different people. I'm trying to talk Lauren into doing something with me again. We might, maybe we'll get out to Sri Lanka with Sam. Um, but yeah, so just collaborating with great people so you never know where you might find me. I am based in, uh, in South Carolina, but uh, certainly plan on traveling quite a bit. So feel free to reach out. I also do a lot of online work meditations. And I'm actually doing a global cacao online ceremony. So we can even do that online as well. And thank you, Lauren, so much for having me. It's just incredibly kind of you to let me share and um, with all of your wonderful listeners. So I appreciate that very much.
0: Oh, bless you, Candice. Well, I'm still waiting for the movie. I feel like you <laughs> this uh, <laughs> this trader floor with everyone lying down with the gong being played, it's got kind of uh, the monk who sold his Ferrari all over it, I think.
1: <laughs> That's, it's, it's why the, my website page is uh, The Broker Who Bought a Turban. I'm waiting for Oprah to come with me exactly. for like the female <laughs> version of the book. I have some good stories. I'm just not sure I want my parents to hear them. <laughs>
0: The next edition we'll have we'll have you back on the podcast when you're ready to to launch the book. Thank you so much. It's such a delight to speak to you as always. Thanks, Lauren. Take care. Just want to take a moment to invite you to join the Holistic Healing Inner Circle, an online group membership for self-healing, community and transformation. Doors open on the 15th of January and will be starting on the 29th of January. The Holistic Healing Inner Circle is a monthly membership that will provide you with the tools, knowledge, support and community to keep you moving forward, body, mind, heart and soul. Each month we have monthly masterclasses, group calls, meditations, journaling prompts and a book club. There's also access to a private online community where you will be witnessed on your healing journey. If you're interested in joining us, please head on over to my website, drlaurenmcdonald.com, and check it out. I really look forward to supporting your healing and transformation. Please remember that whilst I am a qualified medical doctor, I am not your medical doctor. So whilst we often talk about health and well-being and we give out tools and tips and sometimes discuss topics that are a little bit fringe or alternative, This is very much for information only. It is not individual medical advice. So please, if you have any health concerns, make sure you go and see your own practitioner.